don't take no for an answer. You're going to get it, but you're going to find someone else who's going to say yes eventually. As long as you sell yourself, show that your reputation is good, show that you have a track record, can do it. And of course, best ever listeners, you ready to take your online advertising into the big leagues? Are you ready to get more leads? Well, how about we do all this for free? Yeah, sure, free. Well, it starts out with a free strategy session with Dan Barrett. You recognize his name, episode 565, titled Google AdWords and Cutting Edge Strategies. He's the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. That's why I'm talking about him. And he's managed over a million dollars of client spend and scored an 80th percentile for or higher for best practice. Basically, he knows his stuff. And he is offering a free strategy session for one hour to do a deep dive with you and learn about your market and collaboratively come up with an online advertising strategy based on your target audience. And he's offering to do this for the best ever listeners. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. I mentioned free. Well, the strategy session is free. And then you can either take the online advertising strategy that he comes up with on the call and go implement it yourself. There you go. It's free. Or you can have him and his agency do it for you. It's a turnkey solution. And by the way, that likely one that being free too, assuming that you're closing on the leads that he's generating for you as a result of all the efforts. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. He's got some amazing stuff. Ask him about the pre-targeting for direct mail lists that he does. It's something unique to their company and it's pretty exciting stuff. He's noticing some tremendous results as a result of doing pre-targeting. So ask him about that. AdWordsNerds.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We don't get into any of the fluffy stuff. We only talk about the best advice that moves your business forward. With us today, David Zhang. How are you doing, David? Good. Thank you. Nice to have you on the show. And a little bit about David. He is an analytics consultant with Wells Fargo, and he's also a real estate investor. He currently owns 10 properties and rents out nine of them, having been in real estate investors since December 2015. Wow, that was quick out of the gate. Based in St. Louis, Missouri, and his goals are to reach close to $50,000 in passive income and own a management company. Good luck to you on that one, my friend. I don't want any part of that second goal. With that being said, David, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your focus? Sure. And funny you mentioned that. I'm actually closing tomorrow on another apartment building, so I'll be up to 11 properties now. But yeah, a little bit about myself. I'm actually pretty, I guess, young at this. I started investing in December of 2015. It's when I picked up my first condo, actually. And funny enough, it was a pretty hard condo to deal with. It was an unwarranted condo and there's a whole bunch of lending loopholes I have to jump through to get that actually financed. But essentially I started December, 2015. And then since then I've picked up those 10 properties, as you've already mentioned, I started off with condos. So the first four that I picked up were all condos and I moved into single families, picked up three throughout the summer of 2016. And then after that, I got into multifamilies. And so that's kind of where I am right now, self-managing all my properties by myself all the rehab. I'm kind of 
being the GC for it as well. It's a whole other experience I could <laughs> go on and on with. <laughs> um, but it's been an exciting adventure. Things have been moving really, really fast for me. So I could talk days about this, but I'll get to the important points. <laughs> well, I'm sure adventure is a great way to describe it if you've grown this quickly in the short amount of time that you've been investing. December 2015, so what is that, two and a half years or so, you start out with condos. You had four of those, three single-family homes. When you say apartments and multifamily, I want to make sure I know what you're talking about. I guess when I talk to my friends, sometimes I say apartment buildings because it sounds better. But all the multifamilies I currently have are two to four units. So they're okay. just kind of multifamilies, more so than like commercial-grade five-plus units. I will so, get there at some point. Okay, so you got four condos, three single-families, and then what do you have on the multifamily front? So multifamily, I have a three unit. That'll be part of my story later for one of my biggest purchases. I'm closing tomorrow on a four unit. And then in about a week and a half, I'll be closing on a duplex. Wow. Okay. We have to get the bottom of how the heck you're able to close on all these properties in such a short amount of time. How are you financing them? So I've gone through a couple different ways. When I first started, I actually, because of the condo that I was in, the condo that I first bought, it was in a complex that essentially had like 80% rentals. So obviously lending on that Fannie and Freddie didn't like it. So I had to go through a portfolio loan on that one. So that kind of already drove me into the deep end on the lending spectrum. I have a whole bunch of portfolios, about 30% of them are portfolios, a couple just regular conventionals throwing down 20%. And then the rest of them are all commercial loans, essentially. Okay. When you say portfolios, will you elaborate? Portfolio meaning I go through small local banks and these are loans that banks basically hold in their books. They don't sell it on the secondary market or anything like that. It's a little more lax in terms of what you need to qualify for them. And then the different kinds of properties that you have a broader range of properties that you're allowed to buy. So again, usually those come with higher rates, balloon loans and higher down payments, but it gets the job done. What portfolio lenders do you use? One of them's actually First Community Credit Union. There's another local bank here called Central Bank of St. Louis. They've been really good to me. They've done three of my loans. All of them are the condos, and so they've been good to me there. But yeah, most of them are just through local banks that I find Googling it. So Wow. When you're Googling for the local banks, what are you searching for? Google has been my best friend throughout this whole thing. I never grew up with a mentor or anything like that. So honestly, I Googled mortgage loan St. Louis or bank St. Louis. I can't really recall exactly what I put in, but you put in some very generic words and you just start searching. And one of my biggest things that I did was sometimes on a deal, I would have to call 30 to 40 people, even local banks outside of my area to lend on something. So again, it's an umbrella search. And then after that, I start digging down. Like I said, I just call a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that we have gotten to this part of the questioning in your story, because this is something that would likely get glossed over in the story, but it's an important component that you're making 30 to 40 calls to lenders for one particular property. And what were you seeking that you weren't getting from the lenders? Honestly, you can imagine kind of the roadblocks I'm going to hit being a young guy who's trying to invest in real estate. How old are is, you? I'm 26 right now. Okay. So... You can imagine a guy comes in calling your office saying, hey, I found a property I want to buy. I've only been doing this for two months and I've already bought three more. My DTI <laughs> looks absolutely horrible on paper because all they see are 
all these mortgages. They don't see the rental income because I haven't filed my taxes for them. So you're going to hit all these lenders who say, we can't do it. Our underwriting is not going to prove this. Like your DTI is too high. You don't have a track record. One reason why I kept calling people was because I was getting so many no's. And the one thing I hate the most is being told no to. So (laughs) I was always on this track of just, I need to get this funded somehow. I will get a yes. And thankfully to this day, any property that I've put a contract on, I have not lost. So you were just looking for a yes. It wasn't necessarily that you were looking for specific terms. You were just looking for a lender to do a loan on the property. What were the terms and who was the lender after 30 to 40 calls that you ended up going with? I'll speak to one specific deal. And this is the hardest one that I had to get. The first, the condos, the single families, they were, again, pretty generic, kind of just calling around for conventional portfolio loans. It was this multifamily the three-bedroom that I was talking about, I actually offered on in September, closed in October. That one was really hard because, one, it was the first property that I was trying to go through just the listing agent. I was representing myself basically as a buyer, and that was difficult enough. So <laughs> it was also a rundown place. It needed a lot of work. So I had to find funding for that. Somehow I had to find the lender who would actually just purchase the property itself minus the rehab costs. So that was pretty difficult. I called the banks that I've worked with previously. They didn't help me. I called my portfolio banks. They never helped me. I remember I called like a local bank in Kansas City and even New York. And I was like, hey, I'm in desperate need of lending for this because this is a killer project for me. Can you help me out? They all rejected me. And what was the reason for all those reasons you stated earlier? Debt to income, no track record, distressed property? All that and more because, again, this property also needed so much work before I could even get it rented out. And so it wasn't just like a turnkey where I could just like flip it and then rent it out. All the other properties I had, I rented them out within a week, which is great. But this one, I needed to do a lot of work and the banks were hesitant. It was my first multifamily purchase as well. So that was hard. In the end, I just fell back on what everyone else does. I went to a hard money lender. And even then, I had to go through like five or six of them before I found one that had decent terms for me. Mm -hmm. And you're probably using quotation marks for decent terms. What were the terms? The terms on that, it was a 12-month interest-only loan. They basically funded, I think it was 80% LTV for the purchase price plus up to 100% of the rehab costs as long as it was 65% of the ARV. And so I'll just speak on the numbers. I got this building for 230 and then I actually fell extremely short on my rehab. My budget was actually around 110 but I had to somehow smush it down into $86,000 because that's about how much they would be able to lend to me. And I said, you know what? I'm going to make this happen. I don't care if I have to do everything that doesn't need a licensed, bonded contractor, I will do it myself. And I basically told them that. And in the end, I did a lot of that. You know, But 12-month interest-only payments, 10.75% was the interest rate. And so that came out to be around $2,250 a month in just pure interest. And then, of course, the lump sum, the lump loan was, was due at the end of the 12 months. So of course, refinancing as quick as possible were, was important. And then my down payment was... I don't remember the upfront points, but it ended up being around $80,000 to fund the whole thing upfront. So how's the project turned out? It was great. I was really worried about this thing originally, and it turned out to be my biggest success story. Like I said, it was in for $230,000, and then I spent another $110,000 to rehab it. So at that point, I'm 
$330,000 of value into this property where I've put down $80,000 of cash. That was in October when I closed. I finished in January because I pushed my contractors really hard. I pushed myself really hard to finish this as quick as possible. Rented it out in January, $8,100 for the whole building. So essentially $2,700 a unit. So after that, I went straight into my little calling phase again. I was calling commercial lenders all over the place, most of them local. And then finally, one of them said, hey, we'll do a cash out refi without the six-month seasoning for you. It seems like you did a really good job. I gave them the leases. I showed proof of all the work I've done. They brought an appraiser out there. They came back and they said this thing appraised for $680,000. Bravo. I'm not going to lie. I basically sent an hour. I just looked at the (laughs) appraisal and just like, no, no. And of course, at that moment, I was like, what if I get 80% of that in the cash out refi? I'd be pulling near $300,000 out. Of course, not everything turns out as good as it is, but they ended up giving me a loan, 66% LTV. So I was still able to pull $200,000 out of it after I paid off the 250000 I already owed to the hard money lender. And with that $200,000, I ended up buying the four family, the duplex. And I'm also, since I've rented out my current condo that I'm living in next June, I'm using part of that down payment for another single family for my house, essentially. So this deal was definitely a killer. So not only did I get a crazy cash out refi, got all my cash back, I'm also renting it out for great cash flow. So that one deal helped you buy one other deal, right? Two and a half other deals. (laughs) Two two and a half other deals because the money that you used from it allowed you to put in the down payment for two and a half other deals. That is three and a half deals. And you've done how many total deals? I would have 10 rentals at this point. At this point, yeah, yeah. I know you got some, you're closing on a duplex a week from now, but let's just do this point. So at this point, that's three and a half deals. And the money that you put into that deal originally came from working as an analytic consultant? Yeah, so I was fortunate enough that when I was a kid, I'm not opposed to saying this, I was kind of a loser. (laughs) I worked a lot. I was a busboy at a high-end restaurant. I worked three to four nights a week. I didn't really do anything with my friends because I was such a money hoarder. So I would just sock it away in a mutual fund since I was like 16 years old. And then my parents had saved up a pretty hefty university fund for myself. i went and I did really well in school. I studied hard. I got a full ride to the university of where I wanted to go. And essentially they said, well, you're not using any of your money because you got a full ride. So it's yours. And then I still didn't do anything with it. You know, I didn't use it for vacations or anything. I just kept it in that account that they had set up for me. Once I got into real estate investing, I was like, huh, you know, I started reading up on returns and things like that and the stock market and real estate. And I was like, might as well give it a shot. So Funding, yeah. A lot of it came from that university fund that I didn't use because of that. A lot of it came from me saving up over years and years and years worth of internships or busboying or other side jobs, which I also actually do have a nightlife company on the side as well that I own. It's just I rent out a lot of audio and lighting production to local nightclubs and venues and things like that. And then also, of course, analytics consultant. I don't live too lavishly right now, so I socked away a lot of my earnings since I started working. My checking account, I just kind of left it there. So now I'm putting all of it to work, essentially. Okay. So that was the money for that property. And then what about the other six and a half properties? Where did the money come from for those? That was a combination. Most, uh, I would say, yeah, I would, I would say 80% 
of what I've invested was from myself. And then about 20% I've gained from friends and family. And I'll be honest, the, the way I did it, I kind of used their money to pay for my food, my personal living expenses, so I could sock my living expenses into the real estate. It's kind of unconventional, but essentially in that regards, there's a lot of lenders who are like, well, you can't use your family or friends money for the, and I was like, yeah, I get it. So I was like, well, in that case, my parents could just help me pay my car insurance, blah, 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 out of their account. And essentially all my earnings are still mine. And so I'm free to use that. But I kind of played around with how I use my money. But like I said, 80% of it was my own that I've had forever. So I use it pretty heavily. And you said as far as the financing goes, because that really is the key. I mean, well, there's a couple keys here and I'll summarize later, but the financing's a big part. I mean, clearly your fiscally responsible approach is also a big part. And then finding these deals is another component to it. But the reason why I believe most people don't go as quickly as you go is they don't have the money or they haven't exercised their resourcefulness to get the money. And in your case, it's both you were living fiscally responsible and also you were resourceful in a way that got more money to bring the deal. So what type of arrangement did you have with the 20% of the income that you did get from relatives? What arrangement did you have with them? I actually used a rather unconventional method. It was relatives and friends. Believe it or not, it kind of stems from me being very outspoken about myself. So I'm pretty active on social media. And when I do these deals, I don't post exact everything, but I'll say, hey, I closed on another house and I'm getting great rents and like, I'm doing great. And like, this is awesome. This is fun. And I keep on doing this. So like I said, the first couple of deals all came from myself, my own money, blah, blah, blah. So once I started posting success stories, I'm not like one of those gurus out there who is just like, oh, you need to pay for my thing or you need to go to this free seminar. I'm just posting my stories on Facebook as a status and saying, hey, I'm doing well. After my fourth or fifth deal, one of my friends actually came and messaged me. I was like, hey, I was wondering if we could do a deal together or something like that. And that's when it hit me. And I was like, wow, this is gaining attention. So I reached out to my family and friends who are interested, who constantly like my posts, comment on it or say something or ask me questions. I'm like, hey, if you want to, you want to be a loan shark with me for my deals. And especially my parents, they trusted me. I told them all the numbers so they know I'm doing well. But with my friends, especially when I was showing how well I was doing, they trusted me with their money and they said, hey, let's do it. So we work out something like a hard money lender, essentially. It'd just be like, you loan me a certain amount, I'll give you a percentage back at the end of 12 months or any time before that. I will give you your lump sum back and you get to keep whatever interest you've occurred over these months. And I actually just stick it to them at a 10% because my rents generate a lot of cash. It's not that I'm worried about not getting the money later and returning it. It's like, I just don't have that money right then. I know that the rents are going to come in, they're going to cover that interest. And then I'll be able to pay that lump sum within a couple months. So that was never a concern with me. So those are kind of the deals I worked with. And the biggest thing is I tell them, hey, you know, your money's sitting in your checking account right now earning 0.01% or whatever it is in interest. You're not doing anything. If you're not going to buy a house or a car or have a kid anytime soon, you might as well stick it with me and then get something back over the next couple months. And 10% is still, that's better than a lot of people are making in other investments. Are, so are you securing it with something? A lot of it's trust. I'm not going to lie. A lot of it's trust. Another thing is I tell my friends, 
I would rather work at some fast food place 24-7 to pay you back than not pay you back. And then lastly, of course, more solid. I'm like, well, if something ends up going wrong, I'll sell one of my properties, grab the equity out of that or whatever I have down into it, and I will pay you guys back. I will sell the properties that I first bought. That already accrues into over $100,000 worth of equity. So they felt very safe. Again, they very much trusted me and what I did. So I had a couple of things going for me to show that I was trustworthy. And I did write contracts with all of them that basically amortized the loan and then and showed them kind of month by month what they would be getting. So I spelled it out pretty clearly to them. How much across the board in rent is coming in? A lot of my rentals are actually students. There's high turnover, but it's higher rents. Starting August 1st, 2017, so this year, my max rents will be at $34,000 a month. Right now, I'm only hitting like twenty-seven. But of course, I still have three other properties I need to account for in terms of rents and then another couple of them rehabbing to get higher ones. But yeah, $34,000 is what should be coming in August 1st. And those have the leases and deposits and everything. Do you still have some hard money loans out that you have to pay back? I do not. Right now, the only hard money loan was the one that I did back in October. The two multifamilies that I'm closing on tomorrow and a couple weeks later is actually another local business bank. They're doing commercial loans, only 20% down. It's nice getting to a point where banks are like, hey, you trust you. You have a great track record. We'll do 20% down. We won't make you do 25 or 30% and whatever. So it's nice that lenders are willing to work with me now. But yeah, I have no other hard money loans outstanding right now. What is your best real estate investing advice ever for someone who wants to replicate this model? I would say sell, sell, sell. What I mean by that is you need to be constantly on your game in terms of networking. For my example, I'm selling to tenants. The reason I can get higher paying tenants is because I sell myself as a landlord. They love a young guy who's flexible, who's understanding, who can communicate at a second's notice, which I do. It it is tougher on me, but again, you're there to serve your tenants essentially. So selling myself to my tenants, I'm selling myself to the lenders. Like I said, I'm calling 40 to 50 people sometimes on a deal saying, hey, Look at me. I might be young. I might be starting out, but I'm getting a track record. I'm doing well. Here are my leases. Here are my expenses. Look at the spreadsheets I put together, and I'm throwing it at them and selling myself as a borrower, as someone who's trustworthy, selling myself to the agents when I'm even offering on a property. You know, There will be other investors who are in there who want a piece of that action, and I'm sitting there like my offer may not be always the highest, but I can assure you I'm going to close on it. Or like I can assure you I'm going to take care of this place to those who are more emotionally attached. So I'm selling myself to them, my investors as well. I'm selling myself as a person who's going to manage their money well and who's going to take care of it and give them the return that they deserve. A lot of this is networking. A lot of this is talking. Some people say it's having a silver tongue essentially. So you're always just trying to make people feel comfortable with you, make people trust you, which they should. I'm not saying I make them do it and then screw them over, but you always want to bring up your own reputation and then sell yourself to whoever it is you're talking to. And in those regards, you're going to get the best deals, the best tenants, the best investors. So that's part of it. And then the other thing is don't take no for an answer. You're going to get it, but you're going to find someone else who's going to say yes eventually. As long as you sell yourself, show that reputation is good, show that you have a track record, can do it. And of course, that comes with working hard all the time, 
especially during the rehab project of the last building, I still have a full time that I'm doing 40 to 45 hours a week on top of self-managing over 50 tenants and trying to do a rehab project while picking up other deals and doing a nightlife business on the weekends at night. So like I said, you're doing 100 hour weeks all the time, back to back to back. I don't have a wife and kids, no pets or anything like that. And you're not going to be seeing many vacation days or it's funny because for many months, actually, my vacation days were because I would use my vacation hours to go to a closing or because my contractor would be like, something's wrong and I have to run over there. So I'm kind of going all over the place, speaking about all the kinds of things you should kind of take away from my experiences. But hard work is a generic answer, but it really is that like, if you don't put in the time and the work, you're not going to succeed in this business. Number two, you don't give up. Perseverance is so important. Don't take no for an answer and keep searching for that yes. And then finally, being able to sell yourself and what you can do and what you can offer. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Yes, let's go. Let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Got your free strategy session to generate online leads yet? Well, if not, go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Dan Barrett's going to give you a concrete online advertising strategy by the end of the conversation. You can choose to implement it yourself or you can work with this team and they'll implement it for you. Adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Ready to enter the minds of successful entrepreneurs and millionaires? Are you ready to excel in your entrepreneurial and investing journey? The new podcast, Before the Millions, studies phenomenal entrepreneurs and their path to millions. Journey through exclusive interviews, giving you all the secrets to mimic their successes. Listen and subscribe to Before the Millions podcast at beforethemillions.com. That's beforethemillions.com. Best ever book you've read? Don't laugh. Redwall series. So... I'm going to give a little background. This is basically a children's book. It's not the four-hour work week or Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's actually a children's book. I grew up reading it. I love them so much because a lot of the characters inside, they persevere through a lot of hard times. They're always striving for something, and it inspired me. I took that all through my elementary, middle school, high school, college years, and I was like, if they can do it, I can do it. Best ever deal you've done? It was at big cash out refinance that we were talking about, the three unit. Again, that thing really catapulted me into the multifamily business. So definitely best deal. Best ever way you like to give back? Setting an example. So like I said, I'm very active on social media and I like to post up inspirational things, whether it's a deal I did or just a quote I found or some kind of meme. And people come and ask me questions or they come to me and say, hey, you know what? That status just really picked me up one day. I'm like, I'm going to keep doing it and hopefully I'll inspire more people. How about a mistake you've made on a particular deal that you can think of? All roads lead back to that three family, but essentially with the rehab project, the most mistakes I've ever made was not looking up local laws, permits, occupancy, things like that. I almost got condemned on. I almost, I was almost sued. It was all over the place, and I finally got straightened out. But yeah, I had no idea about any of these things until I came push who's, came to shove. Who's going to sue you? The local government, they were saying I had tenants in there when they weren't allowed in there. I had outstanding permits, which my contractors were supposed to take care of, but they didn't. Again, another story for another day, but the local government, they were trying to put all these things on me, essentially. And how would you not get sued and navigate around it? Basically say, hey, I'm in the wrong. I'm sorry. I'm going to pay a couple fees to you guys to get these things taken care of. 
I called my contractors to clear it up and essentially anything that I could shove onto them because it was their fault, I did. Things that were my fault, again, I basically just ponied up, said, hey, I'm sorry, I'll pay the fees that I need to. I'm not going to argue and I'm going to get these things taken care of right away. Selling myself as a young real estate investor trying to make the area better, which I was. So they respected that, but it was still a lot of headache that I had to deal with, but we did get a result. What's the best place the best ever listeners can get in touch with you? Most likely just email. If you guys can end up finding me on Facebook, feel free to follow or add me as a friend. But my email is djzheng6 at gmail.com. I'm very active, so I usually respond to emails promptly. And will you repeat that email again? Yeah, it's djzheng6 at gmail.com. All right. Well, this has been <laughs> this has been a, a power talk on how to scale quickly two and a half years over 10 properties. And you did a, a phenomenal job summarizing earlier. I'll take a crack at it as well for your keys. And I've written down five of them that come to mind. One is your resourcefulness and persistence. You don't take no and you find a way to get the job done. Two is being fiscally responsible so you're making money and you're working hard at making the money and you're keeping the money and then you've reinvested the money three is finding deals we didn't even touch on that we didn't have time but you've been finding these deals that work four is you're someone who people trust that is something that might be talked about a lot people who do business with those who they know like and trust but it really isn't something i don't think that can be taught it's just something that if you're either a good person with genuine interest to help others and grow your business or you're not and if you are a good person and you are true to your word then people trust you and they do more deals with you and then five is what you mentioned you said sell 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 and i thought you're talking about selling properties but then you didn't talk about that at all you talked about selling yourself and you're always networking you're selling yourself to the tenants and agents etc So those are the five keys that I wrote down for your success. And thanks for going into the case study on how you got the loan and you you had to do 30 to 40 calls with lenders, etc. Hope you have a best ever day, David. This has been an inspirational conversation and we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me on. Ready to enter the minds of successful entrepreneurs and millionaires? Are you ready to excel in your entrepreneurial and investing journey? The new podcast, Before the Millions, studies phenomenal entrepreneurs and their path to millions. Journey through exclusive interviews, giving you all the secrets to mimic their successes. Listen and subscribe to Before the Millions podcast at beforethemillions.com. That's beforethemillions.com.